Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Hello and welcome to the 1100th edition. Oh, I'm sorry, 1000 and I'm very sorry. There I'm having a wee a wee bit of a of a, of a technical issue here, so I will start off the show while I try to simultaneously do some radio magic. Live radio, ladies and gentlemen, isn't it always a wonderful time for us all? So this is show number 1012, starting off with a bang. Uh, this is Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WON AM and FM Radio here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, uh, and via YouTube. I'm Ben, and my dad Paul attempted to do the intro, which is, is the U.S. government finally going to come clean on UFOs? Is, uh... Oh, maybe maybe that's why. Dad, say a few words. Interesting. Yeah, so... Huh. Fascinating. I wonder why that's happening. Wow, so interesting. So is the U.S. government finally going to come clean on UFOs? Uh, what do we know that we didn't know then? And who is David Grush? So, also joining us via Skype, while I try and multitask, is Steve LaPlume, who is a longtime friend of the show, has been on as is an official guest co-host, as well as a, a, a numerous an amount of things. We have Paula Lupizzi Harris with us as well, UFO investigator, and <clears throat> an, Itali- an award-winning Italian-American journalist, uh, Paula Lupizzi Harris, widely published in North America and Europe. Paula is an investigative reporter specializing in UFO and extraterrestrial phenomena, uh, which she has studied since 1979. She has rubbed elbows with the likes of Dr. J. Allen Hynek the, and high-ranking military officials. She produces the oh, the annual Starworks uh, USA Conference in Laughlin, Nevada, uh, Paula's website, paulaharris.com. So, Paula and Steve, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. But first, let me try and see if I can figure out why Skype does not want to cooperate with uh, our particular board down here. So if you would all be so kind as to talk into my ear while I try and figure this all out, that would be wonderful. Interesting, interesting. Hmm. Huh, I wonder why. So fascinating. I wonder. Hmm. Let us see. Perhaps it's in the sound settings. No. Interesting. Well, I suppose what I'll do is we'll take a quick break here while I attempt to figure out what's going on. And perhaps even call for help to our wonderful benevolent stage, our, our benevolent station manager, David Richards, who perhaps is floating around the studio somewhere. You never know. You never know. Especially here at WOON. Always a wonderful time. While I attempt to find a spot. 
Ah, hello, Dave. I do not understand what is happening, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to do, we're going to play the Hi, spot. this is Noel Pinsons. Myself and Reverend Ryan Simus will present a fabulous show by Father Pat from La Salette Shrine. It will take place on Sunday, September 10th, and that is Grand Parents Day at 3.30. The doors will open at 3 p.m. at St. Joseph Church, Menden Road in Woonsocket. Father Pat will present inspiring music. This event is sponsored by the Pepin family. Pre-sale tickets on sale now, $10 at Pepin Lumbers on Cumberland Hill Road. The day of the concert, $12. Cash only, no checks or credit cards. The address for Pepin Lumber, 830 Cumberland Hill Road. And we're going to help New Beginning Soup Kitchen and the St. Joseph Cupboard. Hope to see you there. The best of the Blackstone Valley is coming to ON Radio. Hey, it's ON Radio's Cruisin' Bruce Palmer inviting you to join me for the Saturday Block Party. It's every Saturday from 4 until 7 p.m. when we fill the airwaves with the songs you want to hear. It's a party in every sense of the word, so join me live on 99.5 and 1240 a.m. Or bring the show with you wherever you go at onworldwide.com. Well, hello. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WON, AM, and FM. We have a little workaround, so let's see if it works. Say hello, Dad. Hello, Dad. Ah, well, good enough. Good. Lovely. Okay, so now we have you on the air. A fun little gremlin. You know, we thought we escaped it, and we did not. But it is what it is. So we do our best, and we carry on. So, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul Lapizzi Harris and Steve LaPlume as our guests. Now, let us begin, Father. Okay. You want to pose that first question there, Ben? Uh, I do not have the script in front of me, so please do it for me. <laughs> you don't? Well, I'm you in the process don't. of doing technical things. Okay. So, a whistleblower named David Grush, a former Air Force officer and intelligence official, goes to the media about everything alien that the government knows. In July, he testifies before the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. Do you believe Grush is credible, or is this another government distraction with an agenda? Paula, why did you go first? Well, first of all, those are two or three questions there. of course he's credible. They wouldn't have put him, uh, you know, in uh, congressional hearings if he wasn't credible. Um, but the fact that, he, it, that all he said is that we had bodies and we had craft, uh, that shouldn't be new to everybody. And the fact that uh, is this part of a disclosure, uh, that's a question that you asked. And I answer, it can't be because there's no reason for the government to disclose this has been going on for 40 years. Uh, we had people like Colonel Philip Corso come out and talk about back engineering in 1997. We had Clifford Stone at the uh, at Stephen Greer's uh, you know disclosure conference in 2000. And and you know and Clifford actually worked with bodies and crash retrieval. We've had so many people come out, including Steve. Uh, that, you know, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. 
Is it a distraction? Probably. Is he credible? Probably. Is it going to go somewhere? I don't think so. Paula, you really hit the nail on the head there when you said, essentially, what's in it for the government to disclose anything to us? And uh, we, we pose that question to eminent experts, quote, unquote, in the field, and they've pretty much been stumped. But you brought it up. You're the first one. So, Steve, what say you? Well, yeah, um, I, I guess my, my, my whole take on it is, again, kind of echoing what Paul is. Well, why did this individual come out now? And, um, you know, the government, they had their hearings, um, I believe it was last year, when the Navy was talking about all these UAPs. And they had this rainy-looking video. But uh, Rundlesham 4, I mean, there's been cases that have been going on for decades. So it didn't just start back, you know, in the mid-2000s. Right. So, so yeah. what was Grush's, in your opinion, biggest revelation during the hearings? Paula? Uh, I, I have some news for you that you probably haven't heard, but uh, Grush just said we had uh, retrieved craft which is logical, we didn't throw everything away, uh, and that we had bodies, which is logical. But I just talked to Jacques Vallée uh, last week, and he said that evidently David Grush was in the war in Afghanistan, and his medical records came out to discredit him. Oh, I haven't heard this. I haven't heard this, but Jacques Vallée told me this. So it's like the government puts out somebody... To, to tell the truth, and then they go to discredit them. It, 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 it's like a silly game. Uh, even Lou Elizondo, who's part of the government disclosure, has gone through uh, some very heavy uh, and it's like, if you're going to put somebody out, don't go to discredit them. And by the way, just the stage of anything. Um, and because you, what you have to look at is where did the testimony not he didn't do it from his house he didn't do it on a in the hearings and so that's what you got to look at because that's what went viral and then it stopped so what are we going to get a drip 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 and then you go to discredit the guy yeah can i uh, can i can i chime yeah can i chime in on this by all means one, one thing that uh, that I noticed that not, nobody's really mentioned a whole lot of is he was asked outright, have people been hurt or perhaps murdered over this? So maybe he said a little too much and admitted something he shouldn't have, and that's perhaps why he's being discredited. Just a theory. So you believe that's the biggest revelation? I mean, speaking of revelation, uh, I'm always saying that all this quote-unquote disclosure is nothing that we in the field didn't know about, you know, for the last 20 years. So, I mean, am I right, or is this something new, Paula? Well, yes, but I don't think people can. What's happened with the UFO field, Paula, and, and Steve knows this because we talk all the time, it's become entertainment. It has yeah. become a study. So what people do is every time I go somewhere, they, they quote YouTube videos to me of conspiracy theory or things that aren't right. 
And I always say to them, look, I'm an investigative journalist. I've written the book, Connecting Dots, Making Sense of the UFO Phenomena. When I'm speaking to an Edgar Mitchell, Apollo 14 astronaut, when I'm speaking to an Alan Hynek, when I'm speaking to a Clark McClellan ground crew astronaut NASA, or when I'm speaking to a Clifford Stone, who was my very good friend. In fact, I'm the one that got his papers out of his house, and they're all at Rice University right now. Uh, when I'm speaking to the real deal that really worked in this, including Steve, who's the real deal, and, 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 and Rendlesham Forest case was not yesterday, uh, then what is everybody shocked about? Why didn't they do the work? Why didn't they read the books? Why didn't they look at the real stuff? Because it's been around forever. Uh, and my feeling, and I'll end with this, is that the effort of disclosure will be grassroots. It will not be from the top down. It'll be from the bottom up. Well, I always say we are the disclosure. Steve? Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, just to echo what she said again, um, you know, part of the reason I stayed out of this whole thing for decades was I just really didn't want to be on the dog and pony shows, I call it. I mean, everybody going around, as soon as a witness would come out, somebody would latch on to him like a leech and tout them around, maybe co-author a book with them and make a bunch of money off it and get popular. I don't know. That just doesn't sound right with me. That's one of the reasons I like Paula so much and one of the reasons I like Georgina Bruni so much she was alive, was they're actual investigators. They, they get down and they get dirty. I mean, Paula's been out to, uh, when she wrote a book, Trinity, she's been back and forth to, to the actual crash site you know, numerous times. She's taken samples. She's sent them out places. She actually, you know, does the groundwork. Uh, and there's other investigators, such as yourself. I, I've been out in the woods with you out looking at stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's... That's what it's all about. And, again, yeah, it's going to be grassroots. It's going to be people from us having that aha moment, I found something. I don't yeah. think the government – I wouldn't trust the government to, uh, to really come out and tell us the truth as it is anyways. And if they did come out, I would have to think I'd believe them anyway. <laughs> right. So. That's right. Um, now, regarding the committee members, there are quite a few who are in the news a lot. They're well known. Did you get the impression that they took this testimony seriously, Paula? Of course, because they, they wouldn't even let the guys sit down if they weren't serious about a quote-unquote possible disclosure. What they're looking at, uh, and my friend Carol Rosen says that, that she spoke to, to Werner von Braun, the rocket scientist, if they're looking at it as a national security threat which you can look at this as a national security threat. I mean, Steve, more than anybody, could answer that. However, if you're looking at it only as a national security threat, then you're going to go want money for appropriations for exotic weapons, which already exist to shoot them down. So you're going to, that's, I mean, anything has a bottom line of money or autonomy. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. I'm sure they're not doing it for any spiritual reason or any historical reason. And I'm going back to what Steve said about Trinity. It was in Socorro, New Mexico. And that's a history book. And it happened after the atomic bomb, 1945. So that I'm looking at 
the reasons for disclosure. And it, it, why would you do it? If, if, uh, if like uh, Eisenhower said, beware of the military-industrial complex. Carol Rosen and I have had long talks about this because she was friends with Ron Braun. There has to be an agenda. You don't do it to, to turn everybody's life upside down. There has to be a reason why it's now. There has to be a reason why these people are coming out. What we have to do as professionals is figure out why. All right. Um, one thing that struck me was uh, an incident that Grush brought up regarding uh, recovery of alien debris of some kind. In 1930s Italy, uh, that I had never heard of that. Uh, you familiar with that, either of you? Yeah, that's uh, uh, people go and study that. That uh, my uh, my co-worker uh, um, Pinotti, Roberto Pinotti, came out with that. I think he called it the Mussolini files. Well, of course, uh, Mussolini and Hitler were involved in UFO uh, studies. Uh, UFOs didn't just come on the scene at the last minute. So yes, there were there were crash debris. And can I recommend a book? Nobody's reading anymore, sure. but a, a book called Magic Eyes Only by Ryan Wood. It has 93 crashes, 90 all over the world. And in that book is a 1945 crash. I had seen that in the book. And then there's a lot in Brazil. We know there was Virginia in the 1990s. And James Fox just made a movie called Moment of Contact over Virginia, Brazil. It's not that they crashed just in the United States. Unfortunately, the country who is first there to do the retrievals is the United States. I mean, even what happened in Great Britain, the United States was involved and was paramount in, in dealing with that. Uh, but if you look at the dates, a lot of the people that were around, even during Rendlesham, um, Steve, <laughs> Well, I don't know when they call the government the government, because who's around now that knew what happened firsthand at Rendlesham? I think a lot of the people either died or not there, or they didn't share information or whatever, because these things have been going on forever. The 1933 case is one of the cases, so if people want to read about crash retrieval, get the book Magic Eyes Only by Ryan Wood. Okay. What other points in the, te the testimony struck you as significant, Paula? None, because here I am. Here, here I am talking to Clifford Stone just before he died. I've been down to Roswell. I've been. I published his book, Eyes Only, and and I'm trying to get him on my you know video, on my phone video, and I'm asking him uh, important questions like. Where were some of the crash retrievals? And he's saying to me, Paul, three of them in Vietnam. One of them were the beings were in a cave, and Clifford had to go in there and blow up the cave. And and when he got inside the cave, the being, which was totally different from any kind of being I've ever heard of, he was amphibian-looking, but he was a person, turned around to Clifford and said, what are you people doing over here? 
from a guy who did it, not from a guy who heard it from another guy who heard it from another guy. This is coming from the guy who did throw the grenade in, in the case. And then he told me what happened after. Three of the cases were in Vietnam. I don't believe those those beings were on vacation. And I believe that today most of the sightings are in the Ukraine and in Russia. So we need to reevaluate what this is all about. And unfortunately, I don't think the Air Force talks to the Navy, talks to the Army. Because there's three branches who probably have information that they don't share. Yeah, I think uh, that's another important point. Uh, Steve and I were both in the service, albeit uh, before some people were bored. And uh, I have to say that, uh, yeah, there was a unified force concept in the 80s, but they, they, they don't talk to each other. As we always say with disclosure, there is no the government. It's a bunch of competing departments and agencies and turf battles. Steve, any comment? Yeah, yeah, actually I do. Um, it's interesting. Um, when I talked with Larry and some of the other actors, uh, they said that naval intelligence were actually the people that were interrogating them. Yeah, Larry uh, Warren. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess there was some sort of interaction back then, but maybe because it was so subject matter at hand, just in general. But uh, oh, go ahead, Paula. The Navy's, no, the Navy's in charge of UFOs. We know all the research I've done, the Navy's in charge of UFOs. Um, but uh, everybody thinks the Air Force is, everybody thinks uh, NASA is. Uh, but, Steve, how do you feel about, aren't you a little frustrated because you're the real deal and nobody comes to talk to you about this? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a matter of time or a matter of just, you know, the case is just so controversial at this point with everybody and their egos getting in the way. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our sighting was back in 1980 and mine was in 1981. So, yeah, why isn't anybody bringing this up? I mean, we still got people that are still alive that were there that were witnesses. Why isn't anybody talking about this? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it from a friend who heard it from a friend. I saw it over my head. <laughs> this, this is what it drives me crazy because uh, you know our witness down in Trinity is still alive too uh, and he may be 86 years old but he's still walking and why don't they go to the original people and ask first hand testimony this is why I'm so against I'm so against YouTube I'm so against this this entertainment situation where People use other people's books and material to do a presentation. We have we have Steve here. I mean, I, it isn't like you have to go on stage. You just give a documented uh, give a document that's you know notarized about what happened, because you can't even make that up. Uh, and and you know the egos. I mean, that's the whole field. Unfortunately. It's one against the other, but you do have a top level. You did have a top level officer, uh, Hawk, who who I think is credible, and he supports your story, and he's still around. Why 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 didn't he go to Washington? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but can I can I say something? Um, after watching the uh, the hearings, I actually reached out to uh, I, I don't know if he's a representative or a senator, but uh, I reached out to this Mark Getz in uh, Florida, and nothing but crickets. Nobody ever got back to me. Well, you've uh, touched on a point that is quite interesting. I don't know if we are prepared to take a break. Well, technically, we already did, um, but we can take oh, a, okay. we can take another one if you wish. Wait, just do an ID. Uh, let us. Give, uh, give, if you're not too busy, uh, give me introduce a question. No, no, and we'll, I will be ready. We'll, we'll, we'll just go right through. Oh no, I can. Well, that's a legal ID. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I, I've, I've got nothing I can play right now, uh, unfortunately. Okay. Okay, that that's fine. Yeah, I'm not in the studio, so I don't know what Ben's going through. Can, can, I, ask a, can I ask a sure. couple questions of Paula? Um, yeah, by regarding, all means. Well, regarding Clifford Stone, now, he, um, you know, he was obviously on the front line. He was involved in crash retrievals, um, and he said uh, in some, of, I don't know if it was in a book or an interview, that he had some very positive contacts with alien life forms, and he also had some... Uh, I guess, not-so-good guys. Uh, do you know, did he ever uh, physically have any interaction with some of these um, entities or some of the bad all ones? The all the time, and he never said not-so-good guys to me. <laughs> okay. He said, and he said uh, all the time, and he said basically they're very strange. Uh, it, it, it's how you interpret it, Steve. I mean, if it's a matter of national security, I don't think the Army wants ETs in Vietnam. So that would be not so good, guys. We have to interpret that as the enemy. What the heck are they doing here? Why are they watching this? All that. So you have to look at it that way. When you have the uh, the shutdown of missiles at Bastrom in 1969, and I'm talking to Robert Salas, who was down in the bunker, that, that looks like they're our enemy because they shut them down one right after the other. However, they didn't destroy them, and the next week they put them back up again. So you, it's the interpretation that you have of, uh, and, and then your case, you know, the shining of the light over the, the <laughs> weapons storage area. I'm sure that didn't excite a lot of military people. <laughs> I'm sure they yeah. aren't excited about that. You know, they're, they're not going, oh, well, they're our buddies there, you know. No, that was embarrassing. So Clifford basically thought they were number one uh, cosmic anthropologists, what he called them cosmic. Number two, he had a manual with drawings of 57 different kinds. I told you the one in Vietnam uh, had amphibian was amphibian looking and what we've done as an ignorant ignorant ufo community is you know split them into reptilians grays and nordics then then what do you call what do you what do you call the ones in virginia and brazil that were little red guys you know you know skin and so forth it's become a very ignorant ignorant sci-fi field where people don't do the work. Clifford believed that we were being visited because of our dangerous capacity to destroy other cultures and ourselves before he died. And then can I tell you a story? 
this is this, I told uh, before he died, two weeks before he died, because he promised to give me all his files, and I sent them to Rice University, 23 boxes, but two weeks before he died, two guys in black vans pulled up to his door and went to the door and said, Paula Harris sent us here to get the files. And Clifford, who died on his couch and had a gun under his uh, pillow on the couch, went to the door with the gun and said, no, Paula Harris did not send you here. Get out of here right now. And then he called me and he said, did you? I said, no, I wouldn't send guys with black bands to get the files. And so you've got to understand that even when we're talking, somebody is listening. So I realized that my phone, when I was talking to Clifford about getting those those files out of there and, and actually a friend did it two days after he died we we paid for it actually Jacques Vallée and I paid for it, getting those files out of there um, because Clifford spent most of his life looking online to substantiate or prove that what he did in crash retrieval he really did and, and Paul this might interest you the reason why they picked him is because he had ESP or he was contacted when he was a child and couldn't speak to these beings telepathically because they don't go to school to learn Vietnamese or English. You know, you know, I had a question. I had a question about that. Um, Clifford had, uh, had an interview with, uh, I believe it was Carrie Casey and Bill Ryan, and he said that he had um, he had known or he had felt that one of his children was going to get killed in a motorcycle accident. And then later on, he was put in contact with that then-deceased child. Did he ever expand on that? Was was he taken in a ship, or how, how did that all unfold? You know, Steve, it's really scary because I slept over his house, and I slept in that kid's room, Robert's room. And the whole time I was sleeping in there, I thought, please don't come visit me. <laughs> I'd imagine that's uncomfortable. Please <laughs> don't. But he told me uh, that uh, they actually physically showed him uh, in almost uh, a physical way his son, that he actually was able to see that there's no such thing as death, that he was actually able to see his son, exchange words with his son, and it was the ETs that did it, and they only did it once. They only did it once, and he felt at ease because his it was an accident. I mean, a truck you know, hit him. But that's what made Clifford come out of the closet because he thought that the government had killed him. Uh, even, oh. even though an accident, that was the one minute that he decided he didn't care and he kind of broke his oath. And that was, and if people should see that testimony at Stephen Greer's 2000, uh, I, ha I can put it online, um, uh, in 2000, uh, you know, uh, Disclosure Project in Washington, D.C. I mean, has all these cameras from all over the world. And the problem that people had with it is that he began to cry. Well, for God's sakes, if you're dealing with ETs, if you're dealing with your son, if you're dealing with situation like this, Clifford cried a lot. Uh, he, he would, when he would start to tell a story, he would break up and I know because I'm a journalist who's lying and not lying. And one of the reasons people didn't want to deal with him was because he would cry. And, and, and that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, you know, I, 
Well, can, can so, I jump in on that? that? There's a lot of PTSD that's probably involved with that because there's certain things I can't talk right. about. Without of course. Yeah. But you're not going to make that up. No. That's <laughs> true. Um, ben, are you uh, you want to jump in here? Or are you? Uh, I I can. Um, you're uh, still trying to hold things together. Yeah, I I have a fun little setup here um, of essentially <laughs> do, doing all all sorts of interesting things. Um, it's it's not it's not the way I'd like it, but it is what it is, and we do the best we can, and we carry on because that's that's show business, as they say. Um, I guess really, if if we're if we're still going to be dis- if we're we're marching towards disclosure, right? If we're in the Stephen Bassett school of thinking, right? Um, we asked him when we had him on the show, uh, maybe like a month or two ago now. You know, what what would what's the government's reasoning for any sort of disclosure? You know, what do they get out of it? Um, and his response essentially was, well, you know, it'll bring us all together, and it's that you know that big that big thing that'll that'll heal the divide that's in our country, and I'm a little pessimistic in that regard. I don't know. What, what, what do you have to say about that, Paula? How would the disclosure that there's ETs when they're looking at it as a national security issue feel anything? It's like we're, it, we'll start another war. Uh, the only way that you could heal everything is the message that has been given to contactees which is we need to come together to save the planet. You people are in trouble. You're all going the wrong way. I mean, if you really want to look at this, we're back in the Cold War. There's no off-ramp for Russia. And I don't see, even with UFO disclosure, how we're going to become good buddies with Russia. So I think that ETs, in their um, infinite wisdom where they show themselves or they give messages to people, are trying to say, get over it. Uh, it's real. Um, you people are going down the same path you went in the 1960s. Come up with a creative solution. Otherwise, your kids and grandkids and super grandkids aren't going to make it. So that's my very pessimistic answer to this. Uh, Steve? Yeah, well, you know, Ronald Reagan had mentioned something about uh, if, if UFOs and ETs came down, that all our little world the problems would go away real quick if we had a, an outside threat. And of course, there's always the conspiracy uh, community out there saying that um, that's how they want to bring a one-world government about. But I don't subscribe to that. But, uh, you know, I, I guess they could bastardize this any way you really wanted to. But, uh, I don't know. If, if there was absolute disclosure, I, I think it would Great people's brains, as far as religious and uh, spirituality. I mean, look, look at what the, the simple radio program War of the Worlds did. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just don't. I just don't think as a, as a society we're ready for a hundred percent disclosure, anyways. Okay, let's take a moment now to talk about your websites and books, Paula, the Great Book Journey, and many others you've worked on. Tell us about those, where people can get them, and about your website. Okay, thank you, Paul. Um, You know, I'm not doing the Laughlin Conference anymore. People don't want to come to lectures. 
I, I don't sit there and listen uh, anymore to any of this stuff. So what I've done is put all of the research that I've done with Monsignor Balducci, with Zacharias Sitchin, with Heineck, with Ballet, with all that, and, and reissue my book, Making Sense of the UFO Phenomenon, UFOs, uh, Making Sense of the UFO Phenomenon, Connecting the Dots. That's being reissued. That's being reissued, and that's out there. And then Trinity with Jacques Vallée, because of the movie Oppenheimer, uh, has become a bestseller. It, Trinity is an incredible book written by Jacques with my the messages, as, um, and we have uh, the we have the location, the witness, and we even have artifacts. My website is Paula Harris P A O L A. I'm Italian. Paula Harris. Dot com, uh, H, you know, uh, that's my website. And um, I, you know, my my work, and I'm going to be honest with you, Paul, is mostly outside the United States. I spoke in Mexico City. I'm on my way to Nova Scotia to speak on the Skag Harbor incident. And then I'm, I want to go to Japan and China. Steve knows I want to go to China. So I'm getting my book translated in Japanese and Chinese so they can get the real deal. It's not sci-fi. So they can get the real information. And most of my work is the States right now. Okay. Fair enough. Now, Steve, you're an author, too. A great book on your life. Tell us about that. Where people can find out more. Sure. Uh, the name of my book is called Rendlesham to Redemption, A Story of Transformation. And uh, it's on Amazon. And... Uh, I, I wrote that book uh, for a couple of reasons. One, just be, I just wanted to get on record what I knew to be the truth and let the UFO community or researchers do what they want with it. And uh, the second half of the book was basically more about my life and uh, my downfall of picking myself back up. Uh, I didn't write it to make money. I, I sold, I think, one or two copies last year. So <laughs> I'm not well, well, rich on it. Yeah. So, we so, have it on our website, I think. Yeah, it was more to clear my soul. Uh, yeah. Just get the truth out there. So. Right, you can do that. Well, if it's not on our website, I'll link our video uh, see that it's put there. So, um, regarding uh, the alien agenda, as it's called, did the hearings bring out any kind of direction or clarity on that? And whether it did or didn't, What's your belief on this alien agenda? Is it what it appears to be? Paula? Well, first of all, there was the hearings in Washington, the, the ones that everybody should go to, Stephen Greer's hearing, uh, which was uh, the 9th of, of uh, uh, I think it was the 9th of June, at, at the Washington Press Club. He had four guys who worked in these projects, one of them in the South Pole, dealing with neutrino weapons that were shooting out into space, uh, guys that actually worked in these. He had four of David Gresh's, four. And they they were scared. I could tell they were uh, really, they were nervous wrecks. And he had them telling what they did. Uh, and because these are real whistleblowers. These aren't going to have their shows on, on, you know, the cable channel or anything. They were nervous wrecks. And, so I follow Steve, Dr. Stevens' career's work because he has a list of them. 
I mean, he was the one that brought out Clifford Stone, but he was also the one that brought out all the pilots in 2000, in the year 2000, of people that had, you know, seen these craft on radar. If we're dealing with 2000, what are we doing 23 years later? I, I, you know, it, it drives me crazy because we had all of these people come out and they really worked in these projects. They were real pilots. They really were radar people. In 2000, now in 2023, we got one guy, and it changes. <clears throat> I think people need to, to look at Dr. Stephen Greer's work, um, because what he's saying is, if this is true, and we have these technologies, they will rid the world of the petrodollar, they would rid the world of starvation, we wouldn't be doing, we wouldn't be having fights or, or wars over all of this other stuff. And we could have some kind of free energy. And I think that, that looking at what the spinoffs are of disclosure, we could realize that there's somebody else out there other than you. Uh, and, and, you know, possibly, we don't know, I have no idea what or who they are. Um, but, you know, this needs to be looked at intelligently. If there is disclosure, what are the possible benefits technologically uh, to feed the starving, to help people come together, to stop all these wars over oil? And then, then we come across some reason to do it. Now, you ask me if it's going to happen. I, I'm kind of on Steve's plane. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, there's no reason for it. Even the ETs themselves are looking at a very primitive planet that's back in the Cold War. And I don't know, you know, I don't, I think we're going to get little drops of things happening. Um, but not, I think if you want to know, you've got to find out for yourself. If you want to know, start, start looking at the real uh, whistleblowers. At the people like Colonel Philip Corse, I wrote a book called Conversations with uh, Colonel Corso, word for word, what he told me about ETs, about 1960s, back engineering. The guy worked in the Pentagon. He worked under General Trudeau, and he reported to Bobby Cannon. If you don't call that a whistleblower, I don't know who you call a whistleblower. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I think that reading that book will give you an idea of what he thought, and he had a lot more experience than me. Okay, Steve? Yeah, um, well, what I, I think what it all comes down to is they're, they're not going to give us full disclosure um, because, Paula, you mentioned free energy. There's no way they want free energy. Nobody no makes any money off of free energy. <laughs> I think that's why Tesla's records were taken and never disclosed. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I saw yesterday that the government actually now has a UFO website that they're putting up. So, you know, let's just go ahead and give the people a little spoon-fed this, that, and the other thing and you know, pacify them and kind of might take a little bit. I mean, why did, why, did this, uh, why did this guy David come out the way he did? He's got no first-hand knowledge at all. And maybe, maybe it just got to the point of, hey, we have to do something, or maybe they want some funding for the Space Force. I, I don't know. Well, the only big questions for me are not coming up. One is, uh, in Paula mentioned 57 different varieties or species. Uh, how could they all have the same agenda? 
They might be at war with each other, some of them. Uh, what do they want with us? Would they consider us as equals? Which is a big if. And uh, also, the, I mean, how do you square the abduction phenomenon with, uh, like, the council of such and such, galactic council that is giving us all uh, paternal advice, that kind of thing? I just, it doesn't add up to me. Well, can I, if you were an alien and you saw Earth, I would liken it to one of the islands out in the Pacific that, uh, that you don't have no outside contact. I mean, why, why would they want to come down and expose themselves to the violence that we so love on this planet? Yeah, people are not natural. I mean, as soon as something came into the sky, they'd probably try to blow it out of the sky anyway, so yeah. why would they even want to disclose themselves? Yeah, there are a lot of questions like that. Paula, any comments? Well, you brought it up. It's very complicated. That's why I can't deal with people that haven't done any research. It's, it, it is. 57 different species have 57 different agendas. But, you know, I did, I've done so much work, Paul. I mean, in the 1950s, the giant rock contactees, Adamski, Orfeo Angelucci, Van Tassel, Howard Mentor, if they study and go back to the 50s, that, that was a, a turning point when Kennedy said we're going to go to the moon and NASA was established. We could have gone into a, a space economy and gotten out of the war economy. We could have because we were going out in outer space. Uh, we needed, you know, we had all the medical advancements. We had, I think that if people studied the Space Brother movement and got off the abduction thing. I mean, you don't need 40 years of DNA. It'd have to be totally stupid. You can get it off a glass. You know, it's like, I, I, I think they, they should look at the Space Brother movement of the 50s and 60s. Howard Menger was on the East Coast. I just came back from research about a year ago in New Jersey. His house is still there. The pictures are incredible. His, his contacts are incredible. The Historical Society in Highbridge, New Jersey is now doing some work on that because I went there. Um, and the messages were, you know, switch course. You know, switch course. We have to have a money economy, but it doesn't have to be a war money economy. It could be a space money economy. Uh, so we'll see now that China has gone to the moon. I'd like to see now what's going to happen with our space program. Um, it was it India that just went to the moon. It was India that just went to the moon. Yeah, India just India made it. And, and so if India is going to the moon now, and China probably has been there, I mean, what are we going to all compete? Are we going to come together? What are we going to do? I mean, people should look at this. Uh, it, it isn't, we're, we're just Earth-centric. Where are we going when we go into outer space, you know? And, and there is money to be made doing that. Uh, ben, you want to jump in here? Well, I guess it is really interesting to think about it from a from a, a financial perspective because at the end of the day, that's kind of like, you know, it makes it makes you wonder how companies are going to try and profit off of this because that's really what what runs. Well, I don't want to say it's what really runs the government now, but you know, special interest groups, lobbyists, etc. It's a lot of that. Pay, you know, it, you, my mom always said, um, you know, people do things for two reasons: fame or money, and that's it. And it's like. And it's it's a very pessimistic way of looking at the world, but it makes sense. Um, 
because it's 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 kind of true, you know. It's like you know, there's there's money to be made, or you know, there's there's something with which to exploit to make money. But at some point in time, you know, all of this has happened through history multiple times, you know, where the same patterns repeat themselves over and over again. You know, when we say history repeats itself, we don't mean that like, oh, well, you know, we make the same mistakes, and it's like kind of, but it's mostly that the same patterns of behavior happen over and over and over again. You know, we get a technology that's too powerful, you know, the the ruling classes fall apart, everything kind of, you know, resets, and they just happens over and over and over and over again. So I, I guess really the, the the crux of it is, you know, w- what happens next? You know, what's what's next in the pipeline? Do we know? Can we know? You know, how what's what's the future looking like? What do you think, Paula? Well, <laughs> the future is what you make it. And I envy Steve LaPoole <laughs> because he's got a situation where he controls it all. He's got beautiful, beautiful houses building. Um, he knows that he's in charge of his own, uh, you know, uh, nobody's going to come in and tell, you know, us how to live or what to appreciate. In the end, the Native Americans had a wonderful, wonderful relationship with the planet. <laughs> Back to the basics. And I've come to the conclusion that's about it. If you can go back to the basics and have a relationship with nature and a, a relationship with your neighbors and with, but then, then if that would grow, if those kinds of values would grow, then maybe we have, maybe we have a chance at redemption. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, yeah, so yeah without a doubt. Um, yeah, Paula mentioned that, uh, yeah, I guess that's my signal mail, uh, personality here i just i got my own path in life <laughs> but uh but i have great relationships with uh, my neighbors around here in a large amish community and uh they're well-rounded they're i mean if the power went out they wouldn't know the difference or care so yeah i mean talk about getting back to the basics they've been living it for centuries here yeah i mean it's true there's, there's always that sort of idea of reset that's that's uh definitely possible because that's that's Honestly, kind of, you know, you can only you can only keep going so far before it all kind of falls apart. You know, uh, how how the, the world is going now is very unsustainable, and especially if you know we're messing with technologies we don't understand. And it's it's not a question of well, you know, is the technology advanced enough, but rather are we mature enough to use it? That's that's really the kind of the the paradigm that I, I think personally that we haven't gotten to yet as a species. I was going to say, I mean, I look at it from the point of view, what happens if, uh, you know, being the warring nations that we are, if, uh, if China's already known to have a lot of uh, malware in our systems and stuff, if they shut down our power grid, what happens then? You know, our our nation would just disintegrate. We we rely so much on power. So that's a lot of the reason why I'm, I'm kind of, trying to be as self-sufficient as I possibly can. But we have to get back to, back to basics instantly, and I don't think three-quarters of our nation would be able to do that. I think I think bulk of everybody around the world, if there was a complete power outage around the world, I think the bulk of everybody would perish. Well, we had COVID, and we looked through that. <laughs> but yeah. the power didn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a, a total stoppage, 
of everything. Everything yeah. stopped on a certain date. And and I've got to thank Steve because he got me through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, technology yeah. saves us economically during yeah. COVID. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> he had to reset there because people that were at home, they didn't go to work. Uh, they went on the highways. There was nobody in airplanes. <laughs> so uh, he had, yeah. I was going to say, as horrible as COVID was, uh, with all its downfalls, I think uh, in a positive sense, it really made people stop and take a look at their lives and reevaluate what was important. All right, well, I wish I could be as uh, rosy as that, and I like to be, but um, I just have a lot of questions about the, uh, the agenda, never by the early agenda. The government agenda, yeah. you know, it's, um, I think it bears watching and it bears a lot of questioning. Um, I just have a lot of doubt whether they treat us as equals or whether they get along with each other or even where they're from. Is necessarily other planets, other times, other versions of our species. I don't know, but uh, I think we're about ready for our announcements there, Ben. Yes, we are. Uh, so we will start off with a uh, with a rather unfortunate announcement that we received word that Calvin Parker, one of the experiencers of the Pascagoula, Mississippi, uh, UFO encounter and abduction of 1973, uh, and a friend of the show, uh, translated on uh, August 24th after a long battle with cancer, unfortunately. Calvin was uh, 68. Um on a lighter note, the Exeter UFO Festival is uh, going on in New Hampshire right now in Exeter, New Hampshire, sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club. Uh, it is taking place as we speak. In fact, my dad was invited to call this morning for a brief cameo by phone, uh, as this is the first time in over 10 years that we haven't had, uh, that we haven't spoken there ourselves. Uh, if you do have a chance to get there today, uh, please do so and uh, help the local children's charities. That's uh, ExeterUFOFestival.org. Uh, the 2023 uh, Western Connecticut UFO Conference, presented by the Danbury Library, uh, will take place virtually and in person uh, from October 22nd to October 29th. Uh, events will begin on this show on October 22nd with a very special guest, uh, Reverend Michael Carter of Ancient Aliens, and live audience interaction. And more information to that uh, on that event to come. And the Greater New England uh, UFO and Bigfoot Conference is back. Uh, this will be a one-day event on November 19th at the uh, Veteran Memorial Center in Lemonster, Massachusetts. You can watch for more information on that. And you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly uh, 1,200 hours. Oh, okay. Return to the... That started a little early, and it should not have. I don't know why. But you know what? Sometimes in life... Things just don't turn out the way you plan. <laughs> Why, I don't understand, but it is what it is. And so we'll pop that in manually. Um, so you can find over 1,200 hours of our regular shows, especially our uh, our uh, special broadcasts that we've had on CBS Radio and uh, Chief Radio and here on WON, AM and FM. And you can also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms. Well, download the show app. It's free at BehindTheParanormal.com. There's our books along with those of our guest co-hosts. And please to give the quote, Dad. Okay. 
was awoke from Suarta Conan Doyle that is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from 